Amen and amen. Hey, sister, I love you so much. <laughs> so good to see everybody this morning. Uh, my name is High King. What an honor. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for who you are, just the man of God you are. I'm thankful for that video. Uh, I must say, I wish I had your accent. Um, so pray for that uh, because it's amazing. For those of you whom I haven't met, my name is High King, and it is uh, such an honor and a privilege to be before you today. I have the privilege of uh, being the pastor over unity and diversity. And I'm sure that there are several of you who ask the question, what exactly does that mean? Well, back in 2017, uh, the leadership of New Spring Church sought out our Lord and asked for a vision uh, for New Spring and also some values that we need to uphold. And one of those is pursuing uncommon unity. And we desire to be a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. When Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray in such a way that uh, he asked us to allow your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Well, his disciple, John, one of his disciples, reveals to us what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And there is a very diverse heaven, uh, not just ethnically, but also generationally. And so I want for you to know as a church uh, that I get to put intentionality towards those efforts. We care for everyone created in the image of God, uh, every race and ethnicity, but also every generation from the womb to the tomb. Can I get an amen, somebody? Uh, and so, yeah, that's uh, what I have the privilege of doing. But I also want to just say uh, welcome to people who may be here for the very first time today. Uh, this is uh, something that I get to do as a privilege, uh, so on and so on with our, our student ministry. And um, here on Sundays, this is my second time. And so I don't say that for uh, any other reason than if you don't enjoy today, please come back next week, okay? Uh, because we'll get to hear from one of our teaching pastors uh, next week, and we're so grateful for that. Uh, the next thing that I want to do is speak to the women a part of New Spring Church and say thank you so much for being a part of this series. I know that this is a series uh, for men, but this is not a series about men. Uh, this is a series about God, and we believe that God has something that he wants to say not only to the men of New Spring Church, but also to you as women. Now that I have addressed those things, I specifically want to speak to the men of New Spring Church and just uh, ask that you would hear my heart on this. Uh, of course, this is a new territory for me in regards to preaching week to week or uh, every once in a while over the past year and a half. But I want for you to know that of all the message that I, messages that I have preached, I've never felt a heaviness as much as I felt for this one specifically. And I don't say that to uh, make anyone feel some type of way. I just want to let you in on a reality of something that's happened in my own heart. Uh, I've been praying specifically for you, men of New Spring Church, men of God. And as I was praying on Friday, I felt that God gave me this visual of a lock. And when I say that, I was reminded of the lock that my dad had first shown me when I was just a little boy. And I remember that what my dad would say was, hey, just make sure that you don't lose the key because if we don't have the key, then we can't unlock this lock. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, with that, uh, I felt that what God revealed to me is that there are several men in New Spring Church, you feel that there are things that have you in bondage, things that have you on lock, and you feel like you've lost the key. And when I say that, I feel that there are previous relationships that you have been in that you feel like you've lost, and it just has you in bondage. Uh, maybe there's a financial issue that's happened in your life you feel like you're in bondage, you're in lock, and you've lost the key, and there's no way for you to get it back. Well, I want to tell you some good news. On the flip side, God revealed to me uh, a lock that I had in middle and high school. 
And what this lock was is it wasn't one that you needed a key. It was the one where you need to spin the numbers because there was a three-digit code. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You remember this? Well, as I was praying, I said, God, what does this mean? And I felt that God say in my spirit that for the men of New Spring Church, there are some things that he's going to lock, unlock for you. And the source of unlocking this is him, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And you're, you need all of him, and he's going to help you unlock some things. And the access to unlocking this is through prayer. And so in my time today, we're going to look at prayer, not in regards of just looking at it. We're going to have an opportunity to pray but I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of prayer, but I'll just be completely honest with you. When I think of prayer, I immediately go back to my childhood, where, of course, my parents would bring me into church every Sunday, and the person who would pray was the pastor on stage. And I would always think to myself, man, I wish I could pray like that. But the reality is, I didn't know what to say, right? Uh, but through that, the other th space that I would find myself praying is uh, before a meal, because if you don't pray, then your food is cursed. So you better bless it, right? And uh, then if you eat that food, then it's going to cause something bad in your body. Uh, so you got to make sure that you pray. The other space that I would find myself praying is before I go to sleep. And I would just say this simple prayer over and over and over, uh, <laughs> my soul to take. Uh, and then I'd ask the Lord to, to not take my soul before I awake. Anybody remember that? Uh, that just still scares me to this day. Uh, if I'm completely honest with you, but it's A-OK. -okay. There's good news for you. Uh, I believe that God's going to reveal to us not just why to pray, but how to pray. Because there's some things that shift in the atmosphere, in the spiritual realm, when we lift our voices to God and pray. And so throughout this series, Men of God, we look at two men each and every week throughout this series. And here's why. The reason why is because in Matthew 7... Jesus says this, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Everyone say destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Everyone say life. And those who find it are few. So over these next couple of weeks, we're going to look at one passage of scripture each week. And we're going to look at two men. Because we've seen through passages of scripture, there are oftentimes two men in one particular place, and it's by your choice whether you can lead to a path of destruction or God can lead you to a path of life, which is himself in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so tonight, I'm going to, or not tonight, this morning, I'm going to show you a path that you are either on or can be on, and this is determined through your prayer. So I want to pray really quickly before we continue in our time today. Father God, we just so, are so grateful to know you. Jesus, thank you for making that a possibility for us as the children of God. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you for your sacrifice. Who are we to not only just know you, but to be known by you? There's nothing that could be done in our efforts to be pleasing to the Father, but because of yours, God, thank you. We can know you and be known by you. And so God, in our time today, would you just rest on us? Right now, I just 
have a sense as if uh, Holy Spirit, like the dew on the grass in the morning times, would you, would you allow your spirit to rest on us like that? So that we see your very footprints in the grass, that you've walked in this space, that you have spoken to each of us and have something for us. We love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. And all of God's people say, amen. 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 So with this being said, men of God are men of prayer. Men of God are men of prayer. Now, again, I told you a little bit of my story and what I think about prayer uh, and my experience as a kid. But what is your experience? Maybe you have very similar experience. I know of myself personally. I had recently over the years gotten to a place where I spend less time praying and more time thinking. Why? Because Proverbs tells us that there is a way that seems right to man, but that way leads to destruction. And so I spend so much time thinking that I lose out on praying. And then as I was driving down the road a few years ago, God revealed to me, hey, you're spending way too much time thinking. You need to spend more time praying. And what I recognized is God is less concerned about what I say. He's more concerned about my posture when I pray. I'm going to say that again. He is less concerned about what I say, and he's more concerned about my posture when I pray. And so we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that unpacks that for us. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke 18. I'll give you a couple of moments to get there. We're going to be in Luke 18. And again, we're going to look at two specific men that are going to help us, hopefully, see who we are and what path we're currently on. We're going to look at Luke 18, and we're going to start in verse 9. We're going to see a tax collector and a Pharisee. Now, first, before we read this passage of Scripture, what I need for you to understand is maybe you've grown up in church, maybe you spend time in the Word and you know this, but I want for you to understand the context of this passage of Scripture. This Pharisee is a man who is known specifically, the culture in that day knew the Pharisees as folks who knew God. They were at church all the time. They spent time in scripture. And they were known as the men who were to be separate from everyone else because they were in a lot of ways superior because of their righteous deeds. They knew the word of God. They didn't easily fall into the way of culture. They knew uh, who God was and what he had in store for the kingdom to advance on earth. Now on the flip side, this tax collector were the men and the folks of betrayal. Why? Because the Roman government ruled over Israel and the tax collectors were the folks who were the same Jewish ethnically, but they worked for the Roman government to uh, essentially get money from the Jewish people and return it to the Roman government. So essentially they were working for the Roman government and and in a lot of ways being against their actual people. And so in this passage of scripture, what we're gonna see is that Jesus himself sees the Pharisee in one way and the tax collector in another. He says this in verse nine. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give all of the tithes that I get, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, 
but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, righteous, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen. The title of this message is called, Where Are You Looking? Where are you looking? Why do I ask that? Simply because we see in this passage of scripture that this man of religion, who is this Pharisee, is praying to God, but it's not about the words that he's saying. He's looking out with his very eyes at the people around him. In this story, we see this man who's praying to God and saying, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers. Why? Because we see that in this man's heart, as he's praying to God, what he's actually saying is, God, I'm better than everyone else around me. Can I just tell every single person in New Spring Church that if you want to pray like a man of religion or a person of religion, then you'll look out, look in, and then you'll look up. Okay, I'm going to say it again. If you're a person that prays of religion, you'll look out, you'll look in, and you'll look up. Why does that mean anything? Because if you look out before you look up, then you expect for people to be as good as you. And what happens in the kingdom of God is God is listening to your prayers, but he's not transforming you through your prayers because you're too concerned about the folks around you rather than the God who's in you. Can I get an amen, somebody? And when we do this, what happens is this leads to a life of destruction This leads to a life of jealousy. This leads to a life of supremacy because you think that your works and all of your efforts are the thing that makes you better than everyone else. And I just want to tell you, that's not God's heart for you. That's not God's heart for me. And that's not God's heart for humanity. And if we can come to church every single week and we can lift up our hands and say, praise God, and we can pray and say, God, thank you so much for the things that you've done in my life. Man, I'm so thankful I'm not not like this guy over here. And when you do that, you're justifying your works rather than the work of Christ Jesus. And I tell you this as as an encouragement, that it's very easy for us to look out because everything that we do in our day-to-day is us looking out. But God didn't call us to be men and women of religion. What does he call us to do? He calls us to be men and women of righteousness. Why? Not, not based on our works, it's based on his works. And so there's good news for you and I. The reason why we didn't call this series Men of Religion is because that's maybe who we were, and that may be a path that we're currently on, but God can change that through the prayers of, our, of us right now. And so here, here's the next thing that I want for you to understand, is in order to be a man or woman of righteousness, then our prayer, the posture of our prayer, needs to be look up to look in and to look out. Not to look out first, but to look up, to look in and to look out. Everybody say look up. Okay, Uh, I'm gonna give you a little story. A couple of months ago, I grew up in in, in the country, in Antraville, South Carolina, just a a little bit of history about me. Uh, You probably never heard of it and it's a-okay, all right? Antraville is known for land and a gas station, that's it. Uh, no stoplights, there's nothing there other than Frank Crawford's gas station. Uh, that's where we get all of our groceries, everything, all right? 
Well, as a family, one of the things that my family and I would do is we would go fishing all the time. But one thing that I've never done is actually gone hunting. Um, anybody like to hunt in the room today? Anybody? Okay, we got a few. Come on, praise the Lord. All right, well, because I didn't go, I didn't go hunting because I don't like guns. I'm just going to be honest with you. My dad had them. My granddad, all my family had guns because you got to have them in Antrimville, South Carolina. Uh, but uh, because I didn't have guns, I didn't experience hunting. But a couple of, over the past couple of years at the Clemson campus, I've had a couple of buddies that have said to me, hey, you're going to go hunting for the first time. We're going to do it this year. So this past fall, I said, all right, I want to go deer hunting. And they said, okay, you got a gun? Nope, 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 I'm not doing that. Uh, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a boat, all right? So one of my buddies from the Anderson campus blessed me with a boat. Praise God, I'm a pro now. Uh, but anyways, so we go hunting. And uh, I don't know if you guys have experienced hunting or not, but one of my buddies took me from the Clemson campus, and he said, hey, as soon as we get here, we're going to get to the tree. I'm going to set you up, and then I'm going to go into another space, and, you know, I'm going to try and kill a, a deer myself. And I said, okay, awesome. Now, mind you, this is like 5.30 in the morning. It's pitch black. I'm nervous as all get out, okay? Uh, you take a brother in the dark, I get scared, all right? I'm just going to keep it real with you. Don't judge me. Um, so I get to his house, and he starts whispering. He gets this dance. He's like, all right, man, now is the time. We're going to go here. I said, bro, why are you whispering? I, and I honestly thought he was going to hit me. Because he's like, bro, if we talk, then the, the deer are going to hit us. So I'm like, okay, 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 let's, let's go to the tree. He gets me to the tree, tells me to go up, and then he says, hey, when you get up, pull up the string, get your bow. <laughs> And then once you get your bow, the deer will come out once the lights come up, you know, once the sun comes up. And I kid you not, I get into this tree stand, and some of you are like, wait, where is he going with this? I get into this tree stand, and I sit there for about 45 minutes. My phone doesn't work, so I can't check Instagram. I can't check anything, so I'm like, all right, what, what do I need to do in this space? And it's just a moment of solitude. It's completely quiet. And before I know it, the sun's coming up. And in that space, I wish I could tell you that I felt God whisper to me. I didn't hear a thing. I just felt the presence of God. Because in that moment, all I could do was look up and give thanks to God. Because as I gave thanks to him, I saw all of his creation groaning for him. And I tell you that as a testament of the only reason that I experienced that encounter with God is because I made time for solitude. Why, does this, why is this important? You and I can make time for solitude every single day for the rest of our lives. What does it look like? Not that you have to go and sit in a tree stand and experience creation, but what you can do, what I can do, is spend time in God's word and allow the creator himself to speak into us. And the only way that we'll look up and know who he fully is and bless him and give thanks to him for who he is, this is how we will see it's by picking up the word of God and spending time in it. And so I want to say to you, New Spring Church, this is why the vision of New Spring Church is that we want everyone everywhere in an everyday relationship with Jesus. Because if you'll carve out time, maybe just 30 more minutes, whatever your alarm clock is, wake up 30 more minutes and spend time in God's presence, you'll get to a place where you look up and see who he fully is, which will lead into the second point of looking in. You not only look up, but you look in. And when you look in, here's what you need to understand. You not only see who you were, you now currently see who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. 
because maybe there's some things that have happened in your past that have marked you, that have locked you, and God wants to set you free. In fact, he's probably already set you free, but because you're in such a space where you oftentimes will look out and see the folks around you to a place where you only pray and ask God to do things for you, as an example, God, would you please bless me with this new car? I come from a materialistic background, so this was a common prayer for me. But what I didn't recognize is I'm asking God for a car and expecting him to bless me with it, and because he doesn't, then I think that I've done something wrong and that he's mad at me. But what I had to recognize is that as I spend time in solitude and spending time in God's word, that God didn't call me to be a borrower. borrower. He calls me to be a lender. And this is what he calls you and I to do. So if we get to a place where we're just looking out before we look up, then what will happen is we'll get to a place of it leading to destruction. But God is not calling us to destruction. He's calling us to life. So we have to look up. And as we look up, we initially look in. What do I mean? This is why it's important for you and I to understand that we no longer have to go to the temple like these two men. We get to host the presence of God because our bodies are now the temple of God. In John 2, this is one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture. Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, and he cleans out the temple. Most of you know this story. He cleans out the temple. And they say, who are you to think that you can tear down this temple and clean it out? And Jesus says to them, you maybe spent 46 years building this, but I can rebuild it in three days. What does he mean? He was saying that what the scriptures say is in that moment that he was speaking about his body and not the actual temple, a.k.a. the church, to host the presence of God. Here's good news for you, sir, and myself, that God, because he raised his son from the grave, has also raised you with him because his spirit now lives in you if you've confessed Jesus as Lord of your life. This means that you no longer have to get to a place where when you get home and you want to disconnect and you want to throw back a couple of drinks, you can remind your body that I am no longer that man. My dad and my granddad maybe dealt with that, but I don't have to anymore because the Spirit of God lives inside of me. And because the Spirit of God lives in me, I can overcome sin just like Christ has overcome sin. He was tempted in every way, but yet he did not sin. This means that you not only have to get to a place where you feel like you struggle with your phone and want to pick up your phone and look at pornography because it's what everyone around you at work talks about or all of your friends that are around you or family has experienced this so you feel like you're in bondage. Can I just say to you, sir, that you are more than, more than enough in the same spirit that raised God from the dead lives inside of you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's important for you and I to look up, but also to look in. Why? This is said, this says this, scripture says this in Psalm 27, 4. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty for the Lord, of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Men of God, I just want to remind you simply this morning that your body is the temple of God. And it doesn't matter where you go, 
Just like it says this tax collector, he went home justified. He went home righteous. When you go to work tomorrow, I just want to remind you, you are righteous. When you go to work tomorrow, you are righteous. The things that have happened in your past, they are gone. And Christ has rescued those things. He has wrapped those up. But what you and I have to do is to change our posture and not trying to fight and earn our, our approval by man. We've already been approved by the Spirit of God. And the easiest thing for you and I to do is to look up to heaven and see who God really is. But we also look in. But once we look in, it leads to us looking out. Why is this important? It's because in our world right now, there are so many folks that are looking for justification, so many people looking for peace, but Christ has given us peace, not as the world gives. The peace of the world is, hey, everything around you is going to be good and then you'll have peace. No, no, no. Christ says, hey, I'm going to give you peace. Everything around you can be chaos, but you're going to remain in peace. This is the peace that he's given to every man of God at New Spring Church and not just at New Spring Church, at any church that professes the name of Jesus Christ. What God has for you and I is to not only look up and look in, he wants us to look out. Because what happens when we look out? I even question myself, this tax collector, we don't even know his name. But I just wonder if this tax collector was Matthew, the one who wrote the gospel. We don't know. We will never know until we get to heaven. But there was a tax collector whom Jesus called into ministry to be with him as one of his disciples to literally change the world. You know why you and I sit in this space today? To give thanks to God, to praise him in worship, and to listen to a message? It's because Jesus modeled this for us. This wasn't just him talking about a tax collector and a Pharisee. This was who he was in his life. Think about the most crucial and critical moment in human history where men are coming to literally kill Jesus. He was aware that they were coming, and the one thing that he does is he takes his disciples, his closest friends with him, and he says, hey, come with me into this garden. We're going to pray. That makes no sense, man. I mean, people are coming to kill you. You have all of power and authority, and you're going to sit there and pray? That doesn't make sense. Why would you pray when you can literally just kill people in that moment? I can't tell you how many times I pick up my Bible and I'm reading the gospel, the red ink, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I'm saying, man, how dare them kill my Messiah? How dare them kill my Lord? God, if they had known who you were, you could have instantly killed them in a second. And then the Spirit just reminds me as I look up. That was you. It wasn't just men that were coming to kill me. That, that was your sin that put me there. Wait, that, but wait a second. Of all things to do, you're going to die for us? You're going to pray for us so that we could be unified? Yeah, because if I didn't die, I couldn't resurrect. And if I didn't resurrect, then the people of New Spring Church wouldn't exist. The church across the globe wouldn't exist. I had to die so that I could give life. And it was through his prayer life that a transformation came in place 
so that you and I can have life today. Think about this for a moment. That you and I sit in this place all because Jesus prayed for us right before he was crucified. He could have easily said, hey, I'm God, stop it. But what did he do? He closed his mouth. He said, I'm not going to say anything to man. I'm going to talk to my God and I'm going to say, why have you forsaken me? He looks up to heaven. But God reveals to him, you're the savior of the world. And then he looks out. And over 2,000 years, he sees us sitting in this space today. And it's because of that love that you and I can give praise to him and say, God, despite all of my failures in the past, despite all of my failures in the future, you've set me free. I just want to say to you, sir, you're no longer an addict. You've got the spirit of God inside of you. Your ex-relationship, it's okay. God is for you. There's a relationship now that he wants to have with you. Stop looking back. You're not a failure. If I had just not gotten injured, I would be okay. No, 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 no. That's a lie. God has more that he wants to do in you now than he ever has in the past of your life. Trust me. No, but you don't understand, man. I'm just a construction work worker. You're a construction worker that's righteous. And the other men who are construction workers need God just as much as you do. But you'll never look out to see that they need him unless you look in to see that you desperately need him. You can't look in until you look up. When is the last time you've looked up, sir? It's okay if it's been a while. But I'm here to give you an encouragement that God is ready to allow his spirit to fall on you. And all he's saying is, hey, would you humble yourself? Because I'll lift you up. I promise. It's not about the things you say to me. Just have the right posture. And I promise you I'll lift you up. But wait a second. Lee McDermott, he could pray the whole scriptures without even looking at it. I don't know how to do that. I'm just going to tell you, I don't either. But what about Sam Gibson? I feel like when he prays, the Spirit of God just moves. It's because he spends time in the secret place. So that when he is in public, you feel the presence of God. It's the same thing that God has for you and I. All of our lives, we fought to be seen by others. I want to give you an encouragement. Jesus said, my father sees in secret. So right now, I want to ask everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. Simply because there are things about you that no one else knows except for God. And that's good news. He wants to minister to you. He wants you to look up so that you can see who you are in him and who he is in you. But not only that, so that when you go into your home after this, that you're no longer spending too much time thinking and dwelling on the things of the past. You know who you are right now and you're present with your kids because God is present with you as his kid. As you look inside of your own heart right now, can I ask you a question? Have you looked up in a while to see who God is? 
just want to say it's not too late. God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak new identity over you. As you look in your heart right now, do you know who Jesus is? Maybe you fake this thing over and over and over. God's saying, you don't have to fake anything in in front of me. I know who you are, and I love you as you are. That's why I died for you. I'm ready to use you. If that's you, in a few moments' time, you're going to have an opportunity to respond and give your life to Jesus. But as you look out, is there anyone that you're specifically jealous of? Is there anyone that you have some bitterness towards because they hurt you and probably didn't even know it, but in your mind you've made it a bigger issue rather than humbling yourself to say, hey, I'm sorry, what did I do wrong? Allow God to use you. I want to invite our ministry teams up front. I'm going to ask that you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're on a ministry team at one of our campuses, you can come up front. We're going to have a time of response here in just a moment where we're going to sing. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to continue to do a work in us. And I'm just going to encourage you, whatever God is calling you to do right now, would you please do it? Because if you trust in yourself, it's going to lead to destruction. But I promise you, if you trust in God and humble yourself, he's not only going to lift you up, he's going to lift those up around you. So if you need to, as we respond, if you need to come down front and just repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I've walked away from you, but I'm coming home. Do it. Maybe you're just recognizing in your heart, I've been looking out way too much. I need to look in. I remember when God saved me. You can have that experience every single day because you possess the spirit of God. I'm going to pray for us, and whatever it is that God is calling you to do, if it's to move forward, move. If it's to sit in your seat, sit in your seat. If it's to stand and sing, stand and sing. But we're going to raise our voices to the King, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, Yeshua Jesus. So, Father God, I love you so much. I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. God, I thank you for my own transformation. It's not that I've already arrived or obtained all this or I'm perfect because I haven't. I'm still on this journey just like everyone else. But God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would speak to us and allow us to trust what it is that you're saying. Have your way in this time. We worship you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.